0: Welcome to the Washdown Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Green. With me today will be my co host, Chris Nelson. And today we will be speaking with retired Army Colonel Rich Carassi. We'll be talking about leadership and also suicide prevention. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you like the episode. And without further ado, here is Rich Carassi. And, well, and, the,
1: and... Without whom nothing happens. Exactly. Because if you weren't here, then it
0: would just be us talking without, to each without, other. Well,
1: I'm I'm happy. We were just we were just shooting the breeze on mm-hmm. Monday night at uh, at Rachel's dad's uh, little hoolie there. And uh, Jeremy's sitting down next to me, and he's talking to, what's her name, Dana?
0: Dana, yeah.
1: The, the policeman. And so she's a kick, isn't she? Oh,
0: she's <laughs> she's great.
1: She doesn't hold back, man, let me tell you. <laughs> no. Uh, no, she's terrific. And so we were talking, and... He's talking about the podcast. I said, well, tell me a little bit about this podcast thing. He said, I said, I've, I've seen, you know, I've heard about it. Rachel told me about it. And I've, I've tuned into one or two of them, I think. And uh, what do you talk about? Well, this, that, and the other thing. I said, mm-hmm. okay. I said, if you ever need a guest, you know, I said. <laughs> yeah, hit me up. I, I said, I'm not your, I might not be your normal guest. If you ever need a guest, just hit me up. He says, yeah, how about Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, that's an invitation. I can't, that's yeah. an invitation I can't turn it down, so.
2: He put you on the spot. Well, you can't say no. You can't say no.
1: No. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty hard to put on the spot. (laughs) Excuse me.
2: Well, actually, you are kind
0: of, you're right along with, you know, being the type of guest that we have in anyway, because we've interviewed um, and talked to former military people. And, you know, I know that, you know, you retired as a colonel and you have, you're involved with suicide prevention. So, yeah. Perfect guest. So. Well,
1: you know, I, uh, I, uh, you know how highly I think of Rachel and how how highly I think of her professional capabilities and her her the way she engages people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I I get concerned about her because she just <laughs> works with something to a frazzle. Um, but uh, she's a she's terrific, very very skilled, uh, very very uh, uh, personable, great to work with in a in a team. We've done a couple of team things uh i just uh, uh i just wish she'd take it easy on herself every once in a while uh, as you you know it's a yeah, discussion that so. you've probably had i don't know are we recording are we uh, uh yeah, no? oh, yeah okay. we're going. oh we're going all right Oops. so go ahead never that previous statement yeah, yeah all right let, let me take back everything I said. yeah uh no she's she's terrific and uh and i really appreciate what you guys do i mean it's it's uh, uh you know everybody's everybody's got a purpose let me uh this may be a little bit off topic, but but it, it's something that I like. To, uh, something that I like to go to. When, in fact, you said it a minute ago. You know, you said, "Well, you know, you retired from the army as a colonel." Yeah, okay, great. When you're dealing with with soldiers or individuals or folks in crisis or folks approaching crisis or folks just doubting themselves or something, you know, and you're in a you're in a suicide prevention. I mean, I'm not a counselor. I'm a trainer and instructor, but not a counselor. But any, stretch of the imagination and somebody will say I'm justa and I'll stop them Mm -hmm. what'd you say well you're a so and so and I'm justa I said there's no such thing as a justa what I said there's no such thing as a justa I said we all have skills roles assignments missions desires talents I said there's no such thing as a justa give me an example I said, okay. My father came out of the Army in 1945 after the war. Before that, he was in, in pharmacy school on a full ride at New York University. Got drafted. Served in the Army Air Forces in England, and, in England and, uh, and France as a pharmacist technician. Mustered out after the war. NYU said, come on back. And my grandfather, God bless him, good Italian grandfather that he was, says, you're the older of the two sons, you get back in the store, things are going to be tough. And so back into the butcher shop, my father went and worked as a retail merchant for essentially the rest of his life. My father was just a butcher. My father put two kids through private schooling in New York City, grammar school, high school, and college. My sister was a little smarter and a lot better looking than me, so she, had, <laughs> she she wound up. Maybe it was her red hair; she wound up getting a scholarship, but uh, uh, and then got her got her master's degree at New York University herself. Um, but uh, my that Justa, okay, that Justa butcher, and uh, and although we didn't want this, uh, neither my sister nor I wanted this. My father decided to protect what wound up being an investment and when he and then a number of years later my mother died and the ownership of the house passed to my sister and me they left us 800 some odd grand that's what a just uh, can do and that's a bit of a success story i don't mean it to sound self-aggrandizing but i'll use it to say it doesn't matter whether you're uh, the, the fireman recruit firefighter recruit or a or a or a private in the army or uh, uh, someone working in the retail trade or, or whatever. There's no such thing as a justice. So don't tell me you're a justa. Okay. Use use the talents and the desires and the um and the drive that you've got and the opportunities uh, to to take advantage of the opportunities that you that you face or that are handed you, and do your best with them. Okay. Uh, so let's stop this justice stuff. Uh, holy mackerel! I never thought about it that way. You know, I said. Uh, we're all here for a reason. We all have our. We all have our part to play, and and if indeed you'd like me eventually to get around to the topic of leadership, <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 kind of a a backdoor lead in in that if you talk about leadership or command, whatever term you want to use, it, it's really you know it's not about you, it's or or, or me. It's about uh, giving those whose stewardship you have, uh, the opportunities to be their best.
0: And setting your people up for success. And,
1: and setting them, you can say it that way, setting them up for success. Now, sometimes sometimes you have to give them freedom to fail. <laughs> uh, um, and that's a, you know, there's some philosophies about that, you know, the, you know, perfection and the little things and zero defects and all those things that the, that the service has had in place so many years. For so many years, but really, uh, you know, the, the, in a way, you know, it's the greatest. It's the greatest gift God ever gave us, uh, outside of the of the you know birth death birth death and resurrection of His only Son was the gift of free will, and that was the first gift He gave us. And Adam and Eve screwed that up. Thank you very much. But he, <laughs> but, he, but he gave us, sorry folks, I got a little religious on you. But, no, but it's true. I mean, it's it's the gift of choice. To choose to do good or not, um, and so in some ways, that's one of the fundamental uh, tenets of leadership: is uh, giving folks the opportunity to do their best, but also uh, the freedom to fail, as long as the failure is a learning experience of some kind. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that uh, that's something that a military guy, I think. Um, this may sound a little unconventional, but as something that a military guy, you know, had better had better learn. As a, a, a I'll come at it from an officer perspective, if you don't mind, because uh, that's what I was. Um, is that giving those folks the freedom to to you know to be their best? Um, another thought, another thought crossed my mind, and that is another fundamental principle, um, and it aggravates me viewers and listeners no no no, no end that aggravates me um that uh that this principle isn't uh, isn't applied as often as it should and that is the leader or the commander is responsible for everything that unit or that team does or fails to do which means did you guys get this done that was you know, that's Jeremy's fault. That's, you know, that's Chris's fault. I mean, that's, you know, they, they blew it. You know, no, no, Lieutenant, I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and when I see that happen, I mean, we had a situation uh, in, a, in a major metropolitan area where the uh, leader of a, of a, of a major uh, Christian religion, uh, when his protocols within his domain failed, The first thing he did was lay the blame on one of his subordinates publicly. Um, And in so doing, either wittingly or unwittingly, broke the law because of the way the law exists in that particular state. The head of a religious organization is, by law, responsible for stuff that goes on within that religious organization's domain. Uh, And... uh, that concerned me, and if I may use a strong word, in some ways disgusted me. Number one, not only from the religious aspect of it, but there's a leader that forgot the principle that he's responsible for everything that his domain, his unit, his, 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 in this case his, his church, uh, does or fails to do. That's, that is so basic. I mean, he could have stood up and said, yeah, we blew that. I'll take care of it. Or, yeah, I didn't put the right programs in place. or No, no, no. He didn't, he didn't even waste a minute. Okay. Oh, that's his fault, and reached you know at least one, if not two, levels down. Um, that that's not the way it's played.
0: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's all too common for people to try to pass the buck, is because they want to be in that leadership position, but then they don't want to take the responsibility, you know, for setting a standard and holding their subordinates to that standard, and not necessarily. I don't really like the word subordinates. Yeah, the, it, it, I was about to say the I don't like it either. It's the people that they're responsible for. Right. They don't. They don't want to do the hard work to set them up for success, and then hold them to a standard whenever they don't reach that goal that has been set.
1: And that's you know that that that's tough to do. You know, another thought that comes to mind, and. Uh, you know, again, it's um, although I'm fooling with my army hat here. It, it it by by no means is this an official position of. You know, this is Rich Carassi talking. Uh, is that lately what I'm finding, and it's gotten worse. I think in recent years, as we've dealt with social issue, we have the social issue, we have the social issue, is that programs substitute for leadership, and that we're going to put in place this program. This health program, this anti-sexual harassment program, this equal opportunity program, this, uh, you know, call it what you will, you know, physical fitness program. When I see the term program, what what hits my mind is a bunch of bureaucrats, God love them, you know, sat around a conference table and figure out who's going to get the next promotion. Pardon my cynical. No, don't pardon my cynical view. (laughs) It's cynical. No apologies for, uh, is, and, and come up with this program to solve this perceived problem. They may get field input and they may not, but they've got their concept of this problem and they're going to put a program together to solve it. And that program is going to have measurements, metrics, briefings, Uh, uh, matrices, reports, periodic reports. And so the program becomes that, and it forgets or loses sight of of the problem, if indeed there is one to begin with. It loses sight of the problem that is set out to solve. Now, when that bureaucracy and that program reaches the field, when the next bureaucracy's program reaches the field, and the next bureaucracy's program reaches the field. Sometimes those bureaucracies haven't coordinated their programs. Sometimes those two those programs are actually at odds with one another. But the commander in the field, the leader in the field, be that the military leader or the or, or the or the government leader of a government organization out in the field, uh, or or even a corporate leader, uh, a program manager, uh, division director. You know, you name it. All of a sudden, he's got these, you know, four or five pieces of paper in front of him, with these checklists and and meetings and and program reviews and all the stuff that has to happen. But the problem still exists. You know, there's there's still lack of productivity. There's still a social issue, God forbid, uh, that's not getting solved because they're wasting all their time administering the programs. And I realize to some this might seem like heresy, but to me it's not having faced it um and dealt with it <laughs> effectively i guess because i survived it uh, but in the uh, in, in the military and uh, in industry for a while and then uh, and then in government too it's just uh, the same thing so my, my concern the point i'm trying to make is that uh in case i've lost everybody already is that the um uh, when programs substitute for leadership or when programs get in the way. Of good old basic get down and take responsibility leadership uh, I, I think that that can become destructive or counterproductive or, or at, at times destructive um, and uh, that's one man's opinion who's who survived <laughs> who survived uh, let me think, uh, the, 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 uh, who survived fifty years of professional life
0: mm-hmm. wow i i don't <laughs> disagree with you at all. I, you know, it, it's very common for people that are removed from the actual work from the field to implement a program that looks good on paper, but in actuality and in practice, it's not feasible it and it doesn't execution. Yeah, it fails in execution. And part of the problem is they, you know, there's no standard set, mm-hmm. or the standard, once it's not met. There's no repercussions. There's no consequences. There's no consequence bus, as Moran huh. would like to say.
1: Uh, you know, you just brought up another, uh, I'm going to get real basic here. You know, and people, people often ask me, okay, all right, what, 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 what's the secret? You know, how do you get things done? And, and I reached back for some army training philosophy of some years ago, uh, I think it was called basic training. I forget. What Not basic training, but uh, battle training concept or battle BTC. I forget exactly what the acronym was. Not that <laughs> there were 150 <laughs> bureaucrats that had to invent that narrative. So with all due respect, folks, I forgot the acronym. Um, but it, 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 it fell into, th- into the categories of task, condition, and standard. Okay. Here's what needs to be done. Here are the conditions under which you do it, and here's the standard to which it must be executed and so it was in essence a training philosophy you know mm-hmm. train to fire the rifle under these conditions to this standard right uh, And so I was asked uh, my, my experience and uh, you'll see this in my in my bio, I was the uh, the federal security director. Uh, of a, uh, for TSA, uh, of, uh, of an airport in a major metropolitan area in the United States, and my uh, screening force, transportation security officer force, the folks that you see on the checkpoints, were provided to me via contract. They weren't federal employees, okay? This was a program that TSA had that in certain airports in the United States, eventually I think it became 22 Airports in the United States that your 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 TSOS or screeners were provided to you by a company under contract to the government, and so people pro and con that program, okay, would come with criticisms or try to trick you. you know, There's a lot of politics surrounding it. So somebody once asked me, okay, how do you how do you do that? You know, how, how, how do you do that with those contractor people? I said, well, what's the difference? I said. What's my task? The same as any federal security director in the country, right? What's the standard? The same as every federal security director in the country. (laughs) What's the condition with employees provided under contract rather than federally employed? So my task is the same, my standard is the same, my condition differs. So how do I leverage, and uh, I hesitate to use the word control, but I will control or take advantage of that condition or deal with that condition, which is a management challenge. Okay, I'm not managing federal employees. I'm overseeing the performance of a contractor who's providing those employees to me. Okay, that's my condition. So I'm not going not to not meet the standard. Okay, planes ain't going to fall out of the sky, and I'm not going to have wait times that are 50 minutes long, all right? So I'm going to meet that standard. My task is the same. All right, So if you're going to evaluate me and the the program and how we do things, that's where we look. How well are we dealing with that condition? So getting back to, uh, you know, simpler models, I mean, a a good leader, as I said before, giving his – uh, giving the lead uh, the opportunity to succeed, and also in certain cases the freedom to learn, you know, by maybe missing the mark every once in a while. Okay, what he what he does is he he or she does is he knows what the task is, he knows what the standard is. Okay, how can I use my conditions? Okay, to make sure we get the task done to standard. Okay, what's going to change? Well, you know, simpler model. You know, weather uh terrain uh facilities available uh um uh, you know the vehicles don't work that day <laughs> the it is down <laughs> the uh, uh s- somebody decided to somebody decided to uh tear up the street uh, you know <laughs> in front of the trading area where i was going i mean all those silly things you know how do you how do you deal with that so i hope uh uh, I've kind of marched all, all the way around the problem here, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, if you if you thought you were going to get a leadership menu out of me, uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope that uh, you guys didn't lose any sleep over that one last night, because, <laughs> because uh, I think Jeremy, you know me well enough to know that I'll I'll come at the problem from
0: every angle possible, from every angle,
1: every <laughs> angle possible, because there, there there really is no okay. Books have been written on it, and I could have brought them all with me. Okay. We don't
0: have room in this room for all the books. (laughs) Well, yeah, but, uh, you know,
1: some of them are, you know, easily accessible. Shut up. Some of those are easily accessible. Why is it making noise? Some of those are are easily accessible, you know, 24 hours a day. You know, field manual this and the management directive that. uh, And they're all either prescriptive or proscriptive to to some degree, depending upon who wrote them. Uh, They're not bad. Uh, you know, I'm not saying people are d- deliberately out there writing things that are going to get people hurt or fired. Um, you know, that, that that said, they're just that. They're, they're, they're models. They're uh, uh, standards, if you will. Uh, but to me, good leadership doesn't depend on a bunch of programs and executing And, and uh, uh, as long as you're meeting statutory requirements and fiscal requirements and all the other demands that are put on you as a leader. Um, the rest of it's with your gut.
0: So let me ask you this question. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Have you found in your experience, you know, with the military and then in the private sector, um, as far as leadership type things that the simplest method typically is the best method that you don't have to try to do this fancy, you know, leadership modality that, you know yeah it's the usually the simplest way is the best way to motivate people
1: well that's a principle that we all know to be is called occam's razor right the the simplest uh, the simplest solution is the best go ahead and look that up everybody (laughs) occam occam's razor and it's a principle that says the simplest solution is the best Hmm. and 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 you're right you know jeremy so many times I uh, love bureaucrats, though I do. Sometimes the, we, uh, you know, some of, these, some of these questions get so much stuff hung on to them, uh, you know, um, that the the simple straight-ahead approach gets lost. And I'm glad you asked me that question because I'll reveal the bias that I've revealed at least three times already. <laughs> and, and that is that, you know, when, when, when your gut tells you that this is the, the, the simplest and most direct way, to get folks motivated, to ensure they understand the task, to ensure we're working with the conditions properly, and to make sure that we never lose sight of the standard, okay, and just, just run that ball right down the field, okay? And and I think you'll find that, uh, uh, that success will be yours and uh, the casualties will be few. Error. Um, it's when we hang all those other garbage on what's to me basic leadership, um, uh, that we make mistakes. I mean, I've had this discussion, uh, uh, you know, more than once, uh, not even a discussion an argument. Well, in order to get that done, you know, you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. and this. Well, wait, the objective is over here. Okay. you you're, you've now taken this and this and this and this and this and substituted that for the objective. Okay, or the outcome. Right. Uh, I can't agree with doing it that way. Okay, you're fired. Huh? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right you know. I'll 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 go sell ice cream or something. You know. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, and I've I've never really gotten fired, fired, but I've faced that <laughs> faced that challenge more than once. <laughs> Who is this guy? The audience is now asking uh but it, no, it's an excellent question that, you know, and I can editorialize for hours as if I haven't already, so it's uh but that's i I see it as that as that direct uh jeremy I see it as i see it as being quite quite that simple
0: yeah and, and I mean that's the thing that I've kind of noticed is whenever you try to and there's nothing wrong with exploring different avenues or you know different training or whatever. But whenever you're trying to reinvent the wheel, just to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. like you have a procedure that works and is time tested, like you know a tactic or whatever, you know it works and it works every time. Do that.
2: <laughs> well, on, on that note, I do like having backups because you're going to run into a situation whether it's police, fire, military, where old tried and true not going to work, and you need to have different tools in your back pocket.
0: Right, and, and I'm not saying that you don't need different tools. What I'm saying is being
2: complicated for the sake of being complicated. No, I think if you tra- if you make it complicated in training,
1: you know, you're both it makes it more efficient. You're both right, but what this what what this calls up in my head is is something that uh, one of my one of my brigade commanders in uh, Japan, and I had three of them. Uh, I was there well, I was there about four and a half years as a brigade deputy commander and then as a unit commander. Um, but what one of them? Uh, there were three very different guys. Uh, one guy was kind of fly by the seat of your pants. One guy was, you know, strictly by the book, and the other guy was even st- more strictly by the book. Kind of, kind of, a, kind of a, almost afraid of the book, uh, and and God bless him to this day is one of my dearest friends. But but the guy that kind of flew by the seat of his pants at first, I had a rough time getting along with him because uh, as the deputy, you're the guy that's got a discipline. You know, let the commander think what he wants to think, but you know, you ain't going to spend that money that way. or We're going to jail, <laughs> you know, and that's the, that, 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 that's the deputy's job. No, you can't tell those guys to do that. They're trained to do that. You know, oh, do you tell me this. But what I did learn from him, what I didn't understand at first was he always used to say the future is the domain of leadership. And when he first said that to me or first said that to us and then emphasized it to me, I said, well, that's kind of a cop out, isn't it? I mean, you know, we got stuff to worry about right here, right, here, right now, right uh, but the, 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 the more I worked on that and the more we proceeded, especially after I transitioned from being the brigade deputy commander to becoming the, a unit commander within the brigade, I began to realize more and more the value of what he said. So let's take what you guys were just discussing. Yeah, there's the status quo. There are things that are tried and true. There are things that are proven. But remember what I said before about conditions? Sometimes those conditions change. The threat changes, the enemy changes, the environment changes. You know, in, in your business, the methods of construction change, for example. I'm just pulling one out of the air. Uh, That's a good one. And yep. 100% true. <laughs> That's yeah. 100% true. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not dealing with wood frame houses anymore. Uh, so the tried and true method may work to, to knock it down initially. But how are you going to deal with, the, you know, the afterglow or whatever remains, the mm-hmm. you know, the embers or whatever you. Well, sorry, uh, whatever. You, <laughs> hi. Uh, whatever you. I was establishing eye contact and losing right. the my contact.
0: It, that is uh, one of the hardest things. One about One of the me. things. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. how do you deal with that? Okay, so you have to think out, you know, research new, new research, new materials, yeah. new procedures, new tactics, and then how do you incorporate? those while not losing again sight of uh of the basic mission so uh you know i took a very simple point that you guys were making and and hyperspaced it uh but uh that's that was one of the toughest things for me to do uh as a as a unit uh, commander (laughs) uh as a, come on! I'm a musician. I'm usually pretty good with the mic. Um, <laughs>
0: well, it would help if you had headphones too, had, so you could yeah, hear yourself. Yeah, right. that's right. That's yeah. right. I was,
1: I was going to bring my earbud, my, my in ears, with me, but I didn't. Um, the, uh, uh, the toughest thing for me to, 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 to learn and to put into place, you know, as a, as a, as a unit commander, was, was, was that. Is that okay? I mean, I, I, I commanded a unit. The rules of which were very, very strict. Um, intelligence collection, cover procedures—you know uh, what you were allowed to do. Reporting—it was just, you know, a tree full of owls watching us twenty-four hours a day, and and we were very good at it, and very successful at it. Um, but I always had to think of well, what's changing, threat-wise, opportunity-wise, training-wise and to think out okay i can be really successful if i just if we just let this go okay but my success doesn't matter how can we get the mission done better and how can we get the mission done and how can we do things so that we're preparing the unit for the future too so that's it's always a, it's always a challenge i mean you guys make a very good point uh and maybe i helped you make it <laughs> maybe i didn't <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I mean it, that is something, you know we've we've talked about, and again we were talking about it earlier. Setting your people up for success, and if like you said, if the unit is successful, well, by association, you are going to be successful. Whoever's in charge, and it's sometimes it's an ego thing, I think, of whoever's in charge or in command or however you want to put it, that their inability to step back, mm-hmm. and you know you've you've provided your people. With all the tools they need to succeed, get out of the way. Let them succeed. You I, don't have to micromanage everything.
1: No, I think Jer- Jeremy, you make you make an excellent point. At which we could probably go for a two-hour session on that alone. <laughs> uh, you know, one of my philosophies was, and a lot took took a lot of time. People wouldn't understand this. Is, uh, guys, my job is to make myself irrelevant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I said, my one of my jobs is to make myself irrelevant. I said. Number one, you, number one, you leave your ego. With, you bring your skills. You bring your skills with you, but you leave your ego at the door. Okay. If the leader can't leave his ego at the door, okay, there are certain things you have to do for public consumption and you know, public affairs and all that media, right. media stuff that you got to do. Yeah, who's got, who's got in charge? Got it. Okay. But if you let that consume you, oh boy, leave your ego at the door. Bring your toolkit inside with you, okay? And ensure your folks understand, again, task, condition, standard. It's kind of simple. Um, Make sure they understand that and give them the freedom to get it done, okay? And give them the freedom to get it done so well that they don't need you messing with them, okay? And by the time your command tour is over, you know, be it a year, two years, whatever the prescribed a uh, uh, period of leadership is or even if it's longer than that you know in, in the corporate world it's you know can be longer than that yeah. uh make sure that uh you know that if you decide to take a day off things ain't going to crash or you get in an accident or you know or god forbid you should decide to go on vacation <laughs> oh my lord i mean these guys i never i i had a a, a colleague in uh in the Transportation Security Administration, who after uh, after two years would break? I've never taken a day off. What?
0: Your life sucks. And don't he it? was, yeah. And he was, <laughs> he
1: was the Federal Security Director of a, of a rather rather large airport, and just brand, I i taken I'm not going to take a day off. The, you know. The, well, in that case, my friend, what are you folks doing? Okay, you mean. They're they're not trained to operate seamlessly. If all of a sudden you get called to Washington D.C., for example, what do you want, going to be on the phone all night long, micromanaging the, you know, how many people get yeah. screened? One, two, three, four, five. I said, no, that that doesn't work. I said, so I made notes. Oh, for okay. me later on.
2: Okay. Oh, I, I,
1: I like the task
2: condition standard. I wouldn't I be. I really like that. Yeah.
1: I wouldn't be. Uh, I said, I'm not sure I'd be too proud of that, but. Uh, <laughs> and so it, uh, it, it and, you know some of it so so many of us when especially when TSA began you know almost 20 years ago now uh so many of us came from different different disciplines uh many of us were military uh others were from uh from various industries others from other government agencies uh and and melding those cultures into a cohesive whole i think still to this day is one of TSA's major challenges but that's an editorial uh uh, but uh, it's uh, it, it was it was hard, you know. Sometimes you no, know, this you know that 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 much hua isn't isn't really necessary. You're killing yourself. You, you lose your mental faculties when you're that tired and that fatigued. Plus, the fact you're sending your people the signal that you don't trust them. Mm, I don't like that. Yeah. So
0: so that what you said a second ago kind of sparked a question for me. Um, when you talked about you know, tour of leadership or whatever, why is it? And maybe you don't have the answer, but why is it that in the military, it's such a short term? You know, you're only with a, a yeah. unit for a short period of time, and then, I mean, because two years really isn't that long of a time.
1: No, it's not. Uh, I. Uh, it, it, that that has become a, a, a command, a centrally selected command tour. One that's selected by the boards um, at uh, at DC, where they where they review the records and the uh, and look at the look at the officer's career and uh, and say, okay, these folks are uh, the best qualified uh, to command these units. Those are essentially statutory, or at least regulatory. Two-year tours. Uh, it, they they can be modified, uh, you know, quite easily, uh, given combat conditions or other conditions, or we can't pull him out or her out yet, uh, or we need to pull him or her out sooner. Uh, but over uh, over the years, I think it's been shown that when this system first started, it's been there. F- for a long time, a battalion command tour or brigade command tour uh, is I'm talking lieutenant colonels and colonels. Usually, uh, it's usually a two year tour. Is that the 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 prep, the execution, and then the and then the spin down? Uh, that 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 two year cycle, that battle rhythm of that cycle, will you will, has has proven to be effective over time. Uh, I think the thinking is that after that you tend to get a little stale. Uh, okay. you, you tend to get you tend to get into okay that worked a year and a half ago. It worked a year ago. It'll work tomorrow, and you begin to lose sight of that. Future is the domain of leadership. Uh, uh, kind of philosophy is that. Uh, uh, I don't mean to be critical of my contemporaries at all, but I think that that was the that was kind of the philosophy that a that a, that a two year command tour now. Because of the changing demographic and the changing population and the services, I don't think that 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 translates down any longer uh, to the captain level the company command level company battalion brigade right yeah. I don't think that that translates all the way down to the captain level uh, any longer. They usually turn those guys over a little quicker than that not that not that two years isn't rare uh, is rare. Uh, but I think that that's the philosophy behind it is that it was shown over time. And this goes back to the late seventies, I think early eighties when they established those, uh, those two year command tours that the battle rhythm of it, getting into it, it, doing it, doing it, doing it, slowing down, getting out of it, uh, actually is healthy. The other thing that plays into that, uh, in the officer personnel management system, which has changed uh, more than once, uh, is that there are things that you're required to do, um, schooling, you know, staff time, uh, other uh, other requirements on you. That if you're in command longer than two years, in a way, it it gets in the way of getting those things done, and so like. Uh, uh, command and general staff college, which is usually before your battalion command, but uh, uh, senior service college, meaning the war college. Uh, if you're, uh, you know, you need to have joint time, so you need to serve a joint tour. Uh, more than one service, um, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, um, and, and other, other. if there's any other schooling that's, that's involved, uh, either a technical schooling or a uh, or some other qualification uh it all eats up into that into that time you're not a you know you're not at that rank for that long with colonels it gets a little bit goofier especially for guys who are on the track that they're you know being looked at for brigadier general you know those guys are uh, uh generally fast trackers and if if they're going to fast track them they got to get into command do well you know yeah. make another gate and get out uh, and, uh, so that's basically what it, I think that's basically why it is, you know, in the civilian world, it's, it's, it's different. Uh, it differs agency by agency, um uh, how they see their rotation policy, uh, how much time they want guys to spend in leadership positions in the field and how much time they want guys and gals to spend time in headquarters positions. Uh, in Washington DC or wherever the headquarters is um and uh, you know and that varies you know the ATF alcohol tobacco and firearms have got a different you know philosophy than the FBI and the FBI's got a different one from DHS and so that's uh, very much to do with the uh with the agency ethic and in some cases the the legacy uh of uh of the agency so uh, you know, your question went to the military uh but it's also there are also rotation policies in the uh in the federal in the civilian side of the federal government that uh that apply those those vary right um uh, there are things called there are things called mobility agreements which means as a especially as a federal executive you say says, well I'll, I'll go wherever you send me <laughs> so which means I agree you know I'm not I'm not going to I although I might want a homestead here there's no guarantee that I will and so uh uh they can send you uh, uh wherever they want to send you not necessarily involuntarily but yeah you know yeah uh, but the philosophy uh, I think the 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 good philosophy behind it is that you're rotating freshness uh uh you know through right and uh, folks aren't getting folks aren't getting stale uh and so
0: right and i see that side of it and you know i kind of look at it as the whole all right well it's going to take me time to train up people and you know by the, just about the time i'm getting them good i'm leaving yeah so but I, I totally understand that whole, you know, there is a chance to start kind of resting on your laurels. Or
2: I also kind of see that from a command staff. You don't know where that captain or above is going to go in their career to where now if, he's, if he or she's been here, here, and here, and here, they're more well-rounded to make that next step. And then when they get to the lieutenant colonel, colonel, and well, even into the general.
0: Yeah, with our military, and, and you can speak better to this than I can, but – there are benchmarks and like time benches that you sure have are. to hit, yeah. and if you don't, then see ya. Yeah, there
1: are uh, there there are mandatory uh, you know mandatory gates. There are uh, uh, you know retirement points. Uh, re, re, you know that, that if you don't make the promotion, then you're only good for you know so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things have come and gone over time, depending upon how they want to control the strength of the force and the strength of individual populations inside the force I, I i should have caveated this whole discussion by saying although some of the stuff that i you know that i say may be interpreted as being critical of the uh, of the army or the, there's no intent on my, on my part to slam any individual officer or the or the or any individual uh, non-commissioned officer or soldier for that matter um or the system itself i mean it's just the reality of it we did pretty doggone well thank you very much and uh <laughs> And it is no exaggeration to say, although you know, you might think it's somewhat propagandistic, but you know, it is no exaggeration to say that we've got the, the, the best trained and, and most highly motivated and professional fighting force in the, in the world. And that if, if the balloon ever were to go up um, uh, for, for real, uh, I mean, the big one, uh, whatever you consider the major threat to be, uh, that uh, the United States Army Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, and the Coast Guard would be prepared uh, to kick some serious ass uh, i 'm confident of it um, i can I still contribute as much as I can to that by dealing with the veterans and the things that I do and the other uh, folks that uh, ask for my aged counsel uh, and but I you know I, I believe that so if I'm talking about one policy or another that's that's not meant to be a general slam on uh, on the readiness of the military or the or the professionalism of any individual soldier non commissioned officer uh, you know or officer um, I, I can tell you that the um, non commissioned officers that I've met over the years and I've had the uh, the pleasure and the honor. To work with and you know some of whom I still work with to this day uh, those folks have taught me a lot and uh, those folks have uh, continued to be uh, you know the the folks you turn to for the expertise in training and mentoring uh, the soldiers who make up the bulk of that fighting force I, I've even uh, dealt a great deal over the past few years because of connections that have asked me to, to assist with, with, uh, for example, the Air National Guard. And you think for a minute, Air National Guard? Well, I'll tell you what. Go ahead and take a trip up to St. Joe sometime and find out how much those those folks up there have deployed and what they've done and what they've been asked to do and how well they've done it. I mean, the communications folks, the folks who have the the the, the 139th airlift wing, the one thirties, who train folks from all over the world, uh, and uh, and listen to their uh, look at the qualifications and listen to the professional standing and bearing of their senior NCOs, if their staff NCOs and their senior NCOs, their their master sergeants, their seniors, and their and their chiefs. And you come away, and say, "Holy Moses, man! This is the guard. Holy mackerel! I mean, if if they're if, if they're ever called into action, and I got to go someplace, put me in the back of one of those C one i s. I'll I'll fly. I'll I'll be proud to fly with those guys. Uh, and uh, so that capability exists. That only, or that that type of of fire exists, not only in the active force, but also in the reserves. I could cite some examples, and in the uh, and. Uh, and in the Guard, both the uh, both the Army Guard and the, I uh, used an Air Guard example, uh, and in the Air Guard. Uh, so it's, uh, if you, you know, if you get around the leadership and you're talking about leadership, you know, just don't think of one component, for example, if we're talking about the military. Oh, right. you know, active good, reserve bad. No, 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 no. Look at the requirements that have been put on those folks in recent in the past 16 years and look at, or 20 years, and look how they've responded and look what they've done and look at the capability that they brought back home uh, and look at the capability that they bring with them when they're called to service. I mean, you got, you know, mechanics and, and technicians and nuclear physicists and, and, you know, pilots in civilian world, who were pilots in the Guard and crew chiefs and uh, flight engineers and all those kind of folks uh, and, and and the Army, too. Uh
0: well, and that kind of the thing you said a second ago, whenever you were talking about the dealing with the non-commissioned officers and all of that. Um, and I'm not a hundred percent on how the army does it as far as going from non-commissioned to commissioned. I, I know there's a warrant process or yeah. whatever, but so, you know, with the fire department, we start out, everyone starts out as a firefighter pretty much. And then from there, it's a promotional process to be a captain, which is considered a leadership position. Um, how do you go from, or what have you seen as far as people going from that non-commissioned officer to an officer and some of the things that they had to deal with? Am I making my question? Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Such a system of course does not exist in the military. Um, it is, it, it happens. It's not that it's rare, uh, but it it happens that a, a soldier will uh, reach a non-commissioned non officer rank sergeant staff sergeant sergeant first class and for one reason or another uh, either through a, a direct commission because of education and experience or a particular happening or incident uh, or or application that that Non-commissioned officer will enter into the officer ranks. Uh, usually, you know, most times as a second or first lieutenant, sometimes as a captain. Uh, uh, that happens a lot in the medical field, actually. But we're talking about line folks. Uh, but it's not—it's not all that. It's—it's it's not a normal matriculation, if you will. Right. Uh, in 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 the warrant officer ranks. Uh, that happens uh, uh, a, a lot more frequently, and warrant officer is not necessarily a step to commissioned officer. Right. Uh, my opinion is, warrant officer is the best rank in the army. You can, be, <laughs> you can you can be an expert and tell everybody what to do, but you don't have to worry about the nonsense. You know. <laughs> uh, and so, what happens? Uh, what happens many times, and there are you know programs in place for this, is that you know in the legal field, for example. Uh, aviation, especially, you'll take a a, a, a crew chief, flight engineer, uh, become a become a, a, a sergeant, decide that he's going to go to warrant officer candidate school, um, and come out of that as a as a uh, uh, as a uh, uh, as a warrant. Uh, and some of those guys actually decide to use that as an entree to flight school. Some guys don't want to go. To to fly school, they want to become the warrant officer, uh, aviation mechanic, senior mechanic as a warrant officer. Happens a lot in military intelligence. Um, we'll you'll take a guy, uh, uh, an agent, or a uh, or a signals intelligence analyst uh, at the at the rank of uh, uh, you know if, uh, staff sergeant or or a sergeant or staff sergeant E five or E six, uh, and he'll decide to he or she'll decide to go uh, go warrant. Uh, and then go to the warrant officer candidate school, um, and and become a, um, and become a warrant officer in in MI. And those guys and gals are really respected as being the the experts because uh, a warrant officer can hone his or her craft. They don't have to meet all the gates that a commissioned officer has to has to meet. Uh, they can really really hone their craft and become experts. I mean, I had the privilege an honor of commanding a unit in Japan in which my warrant tech, my senior warrant, uh, was the first, uh, CW five when they established that rank in military intelligence in the United States Army. And, uh, and everybody, (laughs) there was no doubt everybody said, was that ever the right guy? Uh, and so that program, that, that, that program, and he, he started out many, many years before, as an enlisted agent, uh, uh, counterintelligence agent and a human intelligence collection officer. Uh, so those programs exist, uh, but rarely do you see, uh, you know, uh, NCO enlisted warrant, you know, uh, commissioned officer conversion. The majority of your commissioned officers, of course, come out of ROTC and West Point. Uh, there's a significant number even to this day that come out of OCS, mm-hmm. Officer Candidate School. That's, but that's, uh, uh, in fact, some, fee- some folks even enlist for the OCS option. They'll enlist, they'll go through basic training, go through AIT, and then go through, uh, uh, go through or, uh, Officer Candidate School. And then once graduated from Officer Candidate School, they will then uh, uh, go to their Officer Basic course. There are a number of enlisted folks who decide to spend a couple of years getting some, getting some skills and some, and some time under their belt, and then apply for OCS. Okay, so you can apply for OCS early, or you can apply for OCS a little later. I think there's an age limit, and a year limit. But uh, and I've known a couple of folks who've done that. Uh, but again, it's not the, the the progression doesn't happen the way it happens in the uh, in the fire service at all. Right. Hope that answers your question without getting too complicated. Uh, yeah, a no, it didn't. B- yeah, a little well,
0: bit. <laughs> I was just wondering about you know the transition of going. Oh, the trans, p- the trans,
1: the transition. Yeah, yeah, you did mention that, and I totally ignored it. <laughs> uh, the uh, that's because. All right. I, that's because I really don't know how to having not experienced it myself. Right. Um, it uh, because I was you know commissioned at 20 years old you know through ROTC and the and the rest is history. Uh, but the 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 folks that I have known that have made that transition and it's it's really a, a relative handful uh, originally, I think it's hard to especially when you go from enlisted to commissioned, mm-hmm. either through OCS or direct commission. now now all of a sudden your you're your buddies if you're in the same unit and they try not to do that, but sometimes it has to happen. Is, is now all of a sudden all your, all your buddies, okay, you're now their boss. Yeah. Or at least in a position where you're senior to them, not only in terms of grade, but, in, you know, in terms of, of of status. You know, you're a commissioned officer now. And that transition can be tough when they still identify with uh, too much uh, with, uh, with the gang in the barracks. Yeah. Uh, then uh if if you if as if as an enlisted or a non commissioned officer you felt that you didn't have the freedom to fail guess what uh, <laughs> you know uh and uh you know they and they say there's 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 nothing more dangerous than a second lieutenant with a map and a compass and uh and that uh uh so, somehow that's true even if you've come into even if you're an ocs grad you know there's nothing more dangerous than a second lieutenant with a map and a compass uh anymore there's nothing more dangerous than a second lieutenant with a map and a gps uh or a a, a, a map and a blue force tracker you know uh so the uh, uh that, that that stigma if you will oh god i hate to use that word that that uh, that concern uh you know kind of still exists it's uh uh the 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 success of the transition, however, is all in the conscience of the individual, and in the commitment of the commitment of the individual. Okay, I that individual should know or should have been trained into, okay. Here, are the, my requirements are different now. Not just my status. And I'm not going to be my big bad lieutenant, but my, the requirements on me are different now. the The, the level of knowledge, uh, the uh, uh, the intricacies the connections uh, that that oops that I, that I didn't have to make before now I do I have to I have to look out beyond I have to look into the future and i, I yes I'm still task oriented but I have to look at the unit to my left the unit to my right the unit in front of me and the unit behind me and coordinate all of that stuff right uh, and see things from that. Perspective, uh, which I, you know, wasn't required to really see that before. Right. Uh, you have a
0: new set of standards. A new
1: set of yeah, a new set of standards, or as I said before, maybe, maybe in some cases the same set of standards, but a whole new set of conditions. Yeah. Okay. Because now you're responsible for this, that, this, that, 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 and the other thing, and uh, and to make sure that all of those pieces work together. Uh, i hope that answers your question yes yes and you did say earlier uh, as we were talking that one of your responsibilities is to edit so you can edit (laughs) anything you consider verbose bs and have fun with it i uh no i I promise i I promise that that my that my agent will not come down upon you (laughs) and
0: uh i uh try to edit as little as possible yeah, in fact I've only done it on one episode he said
1: this he says that now Chris. He, yeah. we'll yeah. see what happens we'll see what yeah. happens <laughs> God, Karasi ever shut up?
2: <laughs> He's gonna go well, to watch this episode and be like, "Where's that? Yeah, what's that? <laughs> I didn't see that. He added the whole thing. I didn't see that.
1: He took that. Out. He missed the point. Yeah. Yeah, took that completely took out of that context. Completely out of context. He's gonna start I mean, moving things around. Too. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yeah, that's right. He who has the digits controls the universe.
0: Yep. <laughs> deep fake video here we come. That's right. That, no, it's hard to deep fake this. You know. <laughs> um, which kind of leads me to my. I mean, not that that leads me to my next question, but um, kind of switching up gears, how did you get involved with the suicide prevention?
1: Yeah, um, this is a this is a sensitive issue with me.
0: Um, well, and if you don't have to go into it, no, no, to, no.
1: It's an excellent I it's mean, a, it's a, it's an excellent question. Uh, something I thought that would never never ever happen to me happened to me back in nineteen ninety four. When my then sixteen-year-old son took his own life, and uh, he, his mother and I had had separated and divorced a number of, year bef- number of years before that. Uh, While well, she and her family were in Germany, Beth and my family, and we were overseas in in Japan and Korea for well, the same about seven and a half years apiece. I mean. Yeah in the late 80s, uh, early to mid-90s, and uh, uh, came home, and uh, next thing I know about, uh, I think we came home in August, and this happened in November. Uh, Michael uh, decides to take his own life. Lord only knows why. Uh, What you go through when something like that happens is anger, anger, you know the the stages of grief. We all know what they are. Uh, uh, anger. In my case, it was anger, 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 anger. Uh, uh, guilt, 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 anger, guilt, anger, guilt, anger, guilt, anger. <laughs> and and uh, it, uh, it it affected me quite negatively uh, for for quite some time. Uh, cutting through a lot of chicanery to a turning point. And it's hard to say when exactly it was in in, in terms of uh, how many years, you know, or what it was. But I said to myself, okay, how can I turn that anger into energy? And how can I turn that anger into good? And I started reading up on the componentry of, of suicide. Uh, and I didn't understand anything about it. All I understood is that my son killed himself, and I was pissed. And I want to know who made that happen, you know. Well, as it turns out, when you understand suicide, nobody makes it happen. It's a very, 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 very personal, private, almost selfish decision, Nobody thinking about nobody else. He did that despite me. He did that because I, I disappointed him. Well, that's kind of self-serving, isn't it? you know now i'm talking about me I'm not talking about I'm talking about me and so that whole guilt trip can be kind of self-serving you know look at me i'm hurting you. i said no, nah, crap i got i got i got to change this i got to i got to do something about this so i i i read more and then i was afforded the opportunity to interact with the american association of suicidology that's a frightening name uh to attend a course in what's known as Psychological uh, autopsies, and so I went to the went, went to the course, and it was a it was at an air base up in Minnesota, and the, through one of the military associations that I was affiliated with, they reached out, they wanted military folks to to uh, get qualified in this, and and I learned a lot, uh, but that angle of it, which was to I mean, the purpose is noble, okay? In other words, let, let's get the data and the interview the families and, you know, get get all of that stuff done, why it happened, what happened, and then reinvest that into a database, okay, and, and, a, and a long-term study, and they're still doing it, uh, to determine the causalities and modalities and all that stuff. And so I learned a lot from that, okay? Um, and was about to, you know, start doing a bunch of... Uh, uh, you know, putting myself out there to do post uh, post-hoc suicide, uh, what they call psychological autopsy, which is a very clumsy term. Uh, but I said, no, that's that's really not the angle I want to, you know, pursue. And so I, I read some more. I read some more. I read some more, and then kind of just bumped into it. Okay, uh, you know, just a couple of groups who were who were interested in uh, interested in getting ahead of the problem. Okay, not shooting past the duck, but getting ahead of the problem.
0: Being proactive.
1: And, and being, you know, being proactive. So then the, the, the services uh, uh, set up, uh, this is, again, some years ago, we're, were all of a sudden deciding that, oh, man, we better we better do something. You know, we, we, we lose at least a soldier a day or, or a service person a day to active to suicide. That's on top of the 22 veterans or so a day, that number that you hear so much about, um, which is actually higher than that, but not all the states report into the system. So 22 has become kind of a rallying cry, and that's all right. It's got its purpose. Uh, the, uh, But, you know, active-duty suicides and everything, so, and the Army all of a sudden takes this on. We're going to fix it. All right. So, let me get in there, and I'll... Help him fix it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, then, then you find that, uh, great idea, Richie, but uh, once again, you're dealing with the bureaucracy, and the bureaucracy's <laughs> got its rules, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. and And so, again, to make an, uh, an awfully long story short, I sat back a minute and I said, you know what? Karasi, for so many times in your career, you were a domain guy. You owned a domain you commanded that domain or subdomain you don't do that anymore you'd like to but you haven't got a huge bureaucracy behind you you don't have all those rules you don't own them anymore so the best thing you can do is save them one at a time or give them the tools one at a time how do I do that uh and so I began getting involved in uh suicide prevention training and you know, seminars and workshops and all that kind of thing. So I've got uh I'm a, a member of the Missouri Veteran Suicide Prevention Team, which is something that uh John Sabala, who's the uh Missouri Department of Mental Health's director of veterans issues, uh got us I think it's three years ago now, April, uh, together, uh, got a group of put out the call. Rachel was one of them. She was in the training with me uh, to bring together and and create a cadre within the state of Missouri of folks who are qualified to train others in the recognition of the signs. It's a thing called – there are many methodologies out there. This one just happens to be called QPR, question, persuade, refer. There are many uh, methodologies out there that are are like – Ann Vets has got a thing called HEAL – there's a youth, youth suicide prevention uh, seminar that I've been through. I mean, there's a, a number of them. They're all valid. I'm not going to sell one or the other. just that QPR is the one that the state of, state of Missouri uses. Um, and uh, that got me uh, just more, more, more deeply involved in it. Uh, I'm not necessarily a crisis-first responder. Um, there are guys who are qualified to do that. Uh, and they're very good at it, um, but I know the I, I know what the procedures are. You know, I know what to do, who to call, if indeed I'm faced with you know someone who's someone who's in crisis. It all reaches back to you know. I'm not working off the guilt. Okay, it, it, I'm not doing this because my son committed suicide and I feel I need to atone for it. I'm doing this because what happened back in 1994 taught me something in retrospect suicide is preventable suicide involves more than although the individual is making a very very individual decision not necessarily thinking of anybody else when that when that event occurs uh it affects not only the people around them but if you believe some of the studies and and take it out statistically and yank that chart out to the right over 300 people are are eventually affected by uh uh, by the quote-unquote average uh average suicide and so i i just took all of that aboard and said well i i never could have prevented that one perhaps i i should have recognized some of the signs more quickly and gotten in there but he didn't live with me i mean i did the best did the best i could and, uh, you know i it sounds like i'm <laughs> apologizing <laughs> but that's not the, the the reason is that what i i learned from that but i also think and some of us are capable of doing this and some some of us aren't is that when you are so angry and so consumed by something i mean that you you really don't know where else to turn uh it's and i don't know exactly what did it you know somebody probably said richie prayer okay i don't know exactly what did it but there was a day i woke up and i said i can't be i can't be this angry this long i mean it's it's making me sick it's ruining my family it's hurting me you know professionally because it's just how can i turn this anger that that energy and how can i turn that into energy to to do good okay well first thing you got to do is you got to learn about what you're dealing with and i say read about it and talk about it and attend seminars and watch, watch videos or whatever your training motif is, and then take that and say, okay, now how am I going to turn that into action? What can I do? Uh, and like I said, I went at it pretty hard at first. I mean, I even wrote at the time the vice chief of staff of the Army, uh, General Carelli, who was the Army's, that was pract- practically his only task as the vice was to solve the Army's suicide problem. And and so I wrote him a very passionate, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, email. You know, kind of how can I help? And I got kind of thank you for your thank you for your interest in national defense. Response back typical. <laughs> love the bureaucracy. Yeah. And said so, no. I said no, wait a minute, General. You don't understand. Okay. I I, I know you got a staff and all of that, but you got people out here who are interested, involved, and have got other. Experiences and methodologies that we can bring to the table, even informally. And it was, thank you for your interest in national defense. I said, I got a feeling I'm barking up the wrong tree here. And uh, that's when I said, okay, all right, I, I'm just th- this is just something I'm going to do myself. I'm, I'm going to learn this myself and find a niche. And if it's with a local organization or, or just me. However it is, or even if I'm just helping individuals not as part of any organized effort, okay one way or the other uh, i'm going to be I'm, I'm going to turn this energy uh into action, and if at the end of the day I've saved one life or I've given someone the inspiration uh, uh, I don't mean to use that word flippantly not to take his or her own life i've 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 done my job
0: right well and that's the same you know that's the mission statement of this podcast if we can help one person not go down the path that i went down that you know chris went down then that's a success yeah that
1: you know know, that takes a lot of uh, not to patronize either of you but man that takes a lot of courage to to put yourself out there like that and to say Look, you know this. This this happened. This is real. This happened to me, and and, or in some ways, I made this happen. And it, not that it happened to me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm the I'm not a victim. I'm the contributor. Yep. And and here's here are the here's here are the components of what led me to that conclusion, or or led me down that road, and I took that course of action. And almost lost my life because of it. Uh, how can I help someone else not go there? How can, how can, not that I know everything, but, you know, if you need to ask somebody, ask me. And and I'm not ashamed to, I'm not ashamed to tell you. I mean, I hit crisis myself when I uh, smashed up my left leg back in 2007 and, and uh, uh, was you know, more or less really out of action for about three months. And the federal government, one would think that, you know, one of their field generals goes down or field executives goes down, that they'd be concerned about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, send 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 out the vultures and, you know, pick the bones. and uh, And things went from kind of serious to worse. And I said, I've had enough of this. If that's the way you guys want to play it, I've had enough of this. Uh, and, you know, the, resigned the position, eventually, you know, retired. But, uh, you know, a couple of years later when they did all the paperwork, oh, you're retired. Okay, great, send Semi, me your certificate, and all of a sudden I start getting the annuity. Yeah, hey, okay, great. <laughs> I'm retired and, and uh, But it was pretty ugly at first. Uh, okay, great. Uh, but when that first happened in 2007, and then in the two thousand and eight the agency and I went our separate ways. Years and years and years of pressure, all of a sudden, we're gone. It was the pressure that was holding me together. Yep. Okay. All of that pressure was holding me together, all of those work requirements were holding me together. That pressure came off. I crashed. I crashed.
0: You know, we I went were, to
1: pieces. And the next thing I know I find myself in a hospital someplace.
0: Yep. And we were talking about that earlier. Um, it's especially with law enforcement and firefighters and with guys from the military. Once you get out, you need a plan because your entire routine, your entire life is going to be, it's not going to be what it was no. the day before. It wasn't. And you have to prepare for that.
1: And the uh, one thing we haven't discussed, but the topic that, that often we, we, we often discuss in this business and it's hard very, very difficult when you're in front of a group of folks and you're pitching QPR training, for example, gatekeeper training. You know, teaching folks how to recognize the signs of crisis, right? And and some folks are listening. The other, some other folks in the room are. You know, it's like they want to take a shower because they're hearing words they don't want to hear. And this stigma thing. Oh wait, we're talking about suicide, you know. Man, if, if if I say, "Are you okay?" to somebody, is that going to make him? Is that going to you know push him over the edge? And no, it's, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It, it shows that someone cares, which is often step step one in bringing somebody back from a crisis. But you're not stigmatizing yourself or that person by asking that question. But some people truly believe that, and so we're talking about suicide prevention. Oh my God, what am I doing here? I mean if, it, if somebody sees me coming out of this hall what were you doing in there oh, I was at suicide prevention training all of a sudden i'm i'm, I'm painted with this you know black paint uh, or dark veil or 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 you know <laughs> red badge of courage call it what you will uh or the or the great big a, right From that story uh the uh and it, so it's difficult the 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 stigmatization of those that uh, uh those that face crisis and so don't you think that i didn't don't you think that I didn't deal with that for a very long time. I crashed. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm not proud of it. It happened. Right. The pressure came off, you know, and and, 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 and crashed and, and, and reached out reached out for help. But holy Moses, I mean, there were some people, mm, okay, we ain't going to deal with them anymore. Yeah. And then that got to you. I mean, there were even days, and I'll, I'll tell you guys, there were even days where I would Go through, the, uh, go through the newspaper, you know, looking for my name to see if anybody said anything bad about me. I mean, you know, I was, you know, almost a public figure, not quite, but, but you know, senior executive of a federal agency in a large city. I mean, you know, I, and so I was thinking, why am I doing that? What, what, you know, what, what is that paranoia? What the hell is that? You know, and it's that stigma thing. You know, I can't face anybody. Oh, my God, I can't face anybody. I, I, I had a crash. And I can only imagine what you guys, you know, go through. Uh, being so close to the, I mean, being, I mean, first responders are, are, a, are, 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 an, are an incredible breed of folks. You guys are on edge all the time. And you, you guys are actually, you guys on a daily basis have lives in your hands, where I was at least one step removed uh that's a that's a heck of a burden and when that pressure comes off whoa yeah so I, I can't identify totally with what you guys go through but uh but getting back to the getting back to the uh to the question of sigma, i don't know what we're going to do to ever get past that and and I, I know there are folks working on it and i know there were folks you know out there studying it and it's We're we're probably, I think, losing Robin Williams, actually, some years ago. At least they got the dialogue about suicide going. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think the important thing to talk about is to not leave the conversation just about suicide. Mm. It's about, okay, so you had a crash. Well, guess what? You're still here. You grew from it. That's the thing that really needs to be highlighted is, yes, you, everybody's got issues. It could happen. And you can go through whatever you're going to go through, but you learn and grow from that. And that's the important part. And that's the part that needs to be talked about. It's just like, you know how they talk about PTSD yeah. all the time. Like yeah. that's the hot yeah. button word is PTSD yeah. this, PTSD that. Well, guess what? What about post-traumatic growth? Because
1: <laughs> That's a good in, re- yes, in
0: reality, you know, like we were talking about earlier, post-traumatic stress is 100% normal. It happens to everybody, regardless of who you are, military, first responder, just average Joe or Joette, whatever you want to say, walking down the street. You're going to have things that happen, traumatic events in your life. It's normal to have a reaction to that. Where it becomes a problem is whenever it continues on, And becomes that disorder Mm -hmm. because most people just just blow right past
1: that and grow and don't even realize it
0: so that's the part i think and that's me personally that needs to be highlighted and you know yeah putting myself out there telling my story and you know yeah have i got some funny looks absolutely but it's not my problem how those people feel about me.
1: That's exactly right.
0: I'm not speaking. I am speaking to them, but they're not my concern. My concern is the guy who is, you know, going through whatever they're going through and feels like they can't ask for help because, oh, it'll make me look weak or, you know, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me, but I drink a bottle of whiskey a day and whatever it may be. That could be the same people.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: funny looks and the ones that need help and nobody wants to admit it right so it's this is here for everyone right you know what I was saying I know what you meant I just want to clarify because yeah you know how some people take that yeah well I know what you meant
0: yeah so but yeah I mean by doing this hey let's remove the like you said remove the stigma let's talk about it and show that hey you can have an issue you can go through whatever and you can grow and learn from it And you can be a better person now. And I'll say this. You're not going to be the same person you were before. No. I mean, it's and I reference him all the time. You know, Andy Stump has a podcast. He's a former SEAL. And one of his sayings that he likes to say is, you know, you can touch war, but it's going to touch you back. So you're going to go fight or whatever. You're going to have issues. It's all in how you handle those issues. And some people are better equipped, have better coping skills or whatever. And it's just like us on the department. There's, You're going to see things and you're going to do things. Y- you can handle them. You can get through them. And if you decide that the job is not for you, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. You know, that doesn't make you any less of a person.
1: It doesn't make you adjust that, right?
0: Exactly. So... Yeah, I don't know. I got a little animated there for a second. Oh my god! I'm glad I'm glad you did because you know do you do you
1: do you always intimidate him like this or do you always just quiet or I'm just listening or or am I just blowing right? No, I'm just listening. (laughs) Just blowing right past. Uh, So he
0: Chris is really good about letting the conversation just kind of go where it needs to go and piping in whenever he needs to. So
2: if I need to say something, I will. But for the most part, you got it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a potty break here in a minute. Oh, yeah. I hope so. How long have you folks
1: – how long have you two known one another? I, uh, we actually came on job together. Oh, did um, you? Same academy 17 class. years. Oh, is that 17 month. years? Yeah. Same same class, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how we about about worked
0: that? together at the same station for almost 10 years.
2: Oh, yeah, 10 years on and off. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, just recently um, – yeah, oh, maybe about a year or two ago, some guys from from my my first uh, unit after I was through with uh, schooling, my first unit uh, of assignment was in Germany with a cavalry squadron up on the border, and uh, a bunch of guys. <laughs> all of a sudden, we found one another, and you know, we just start chatting on email or you know, sending send a message or two back and forth, back and forth. Well, one of the guys got us together about a week or so ago. And uh, he put together a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he actually had to keep renewing it. <laughs> I mean, he didn't he, pay for the he didn't the pay pro he, didn't, he didn't no he didn't pay for the he didn't pay for the for the ninety minute version. He paid for a, a forty five so every forty five minutes, I'll get another one. You know, bang! We you know, and you'd pick up the conversation right where you left off. Uh, th- those those bonds that we formed in that in that unit. I mean. And we all came from different places. One was a West Point graduate. One was a, two of us were ROTC graduates. Another guy was an OCS graduate. And, uh, but we all found ourselves in the same place and time, uh, uh, platoon leaders in, uh, in Germany. And then after we served as our platoon leader tour, we all took staff positions in the squadron and were there for we uh, were there for you know a certain amount of time, and uh, uh, so, so, some of the some of the war stories are just absolutely you know you guys wouldn't laugh because you weren't there, but some of the war stories you, you think about you can still laugh at them. Did I really jump out of that sleeping bag naked in the middle of this field? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> you guys really did take that tent down from around me. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> um, who was operator six at Hohenfels? How did how'd you know her? Uh, you know I mean, who dated her? Uh, I mean just just story after story after story. Uh, but it was funny the bonds that uh, that exists and also one of my one of my to this day uh, closest friends in the world is a guy named Norm and he and I met. When he was in a Border Cavalry Squadron, we were in a Divisional Cavalry Squadron, so we'd take over from them when their Border Cavalry Squadron had to go to a major training area, so we'd go and replace them on the border and do the patrolling that they did. So I was taking over a, a, a border camp. I was the At that time, I was the squadron intelligence officer, so the border operation was my responsibility, so I was going up there in the advance party before the platoon leader got there and the patrol platoon got there to lay the preparations down sign property and do all that stuff that we have to do and uh so i drive my jeep through this german forest and find the border camp and out of the out of the the ops building jumps this gorilla i think i was i might have still been a second lieutenant no i couldn't have been i must have been a first lieutenant by then and and uh um, but he was obviously, you know, senior to me, plus the fact that he was a lot bigger than me. And his gorilla jumps out of the building and slams his fists on the hood of my Jeep. What are you doing in my border camp? And I said, I figured I'd play it by ear. You know, I mean, i played play it by the boat camp. You know, uh, sir, Lieutenant Carassi reports for uh, border camp takeover, sir. Lieutenant Carassi reports for what? I said, oh, my God, is this going to be tough? Oh <laughs> He's mocking me. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, it's time to inventory the inventory the motor- it's time to inventory. pool. Motor- I mean, what did they teach you guys? You know? I think, oh my God, this is going to be hard. You know, so finally he 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 broke cover. He starts laughing like hell, and says, "Come on inside, have a beer. Let's go. Let's get this done." You know? <laughs> and uh, and that was um, fifty years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, we're best, in fact, he, he, just spent the weekend at our house the week before last <laughs> on his, on his way West with his camper, uh, to go see his son in Oregon. And, uh, uh, one of, one of my, one of my, one of my dearest friends, and he's from Mississippi and I'm from New York city. So you can imagine we need a translator. <laughs> the- <laughs> Rich, what? there's going to be a tree full of owls looking at you if you do that. You know, okay. No, got it. <laughs> uh, but we're the, I'm telling you, we're, we're closest to those bonds that were, that, that were formed. Uh, we had a common mission, task condition standard. The condition was changing. Okay. His unit was leaving. My <laughs> unit was coming in. Same test, same standard. Okay. How are we going to do this? Right. Motor pool changeover, maintenance logs, the whole bit, ammunition inventory that, you know, all the things that go into getting a unit prepared to take that mission. Uh, it, was, uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was really, really wonderful stuff. Now, although he was a military intelligence officer, I'm a military intelligence officer. For the remainder of our careers, we never served in the same unit. However, somehow, one way or the other, we were always related somehow or close enough to one another that we maintained a professional association, not just a personal association, all those years, although we were never directly assigned in the in the same place at the same time. When he was a brigade commander of the school brigade at Fort Huachuca, Arizona, I was the commander of the United States Army Personal Security Facility at Fort Meade, Maryland, and I went out there to instruct people on the adjudicative standards and how investigations work and all that stuff. And so, you know, I flying in the Fort Huachuca and <laughs> try to Hey, Norm, where the hell are you? You know, uh, <laughs> and so uh, oh, you're here. To he looked at every he looked at you know like nine hundred students. He said, "Well, this is about the most boring lecture you're ever going to hear." You know, so <laughs> it was, a, it was uh, no, it was funny. So one of my one of my dearest friends. Those bonds form like they've mm-hmm. you know like they formed formed with you guys. There isn't a thing I wouldn't do for him, nor nor a thing that he wouldn't do for me. Uh, we are uh, we are uh, we are we don't see you one another every day, but we you know talk to one another at least once a week. Uh, just it's uh, it's amazing what no, it's not amazing. I think it's 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 rewarding what common sense of purpose, common mission, common training, uh, and uh, common task conditions things it can do for you yeah. uh, if you uh, uh, if you leverage it right. So anyway, yeah. awesome. All right. I know you have another question. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> got a
2: little bit of everything today. Uh, we
0: did. Which
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I, awesome. you know, I I, I, like I told Jeremy in a note I sent him. whoa gee, goes, <laughs> right. like, like a, that was going to happen eventually. <laughs> it finally did. Had a good run. Had a good run. Had a good run. I almost, I almost succeeded. Uh, you know, like I told Jeremy last night, I'm not going to script any of this. Uh, you know, I'm not going to come in here with a three by five cards. You know, yeah, so yeah. here's I'm going to brief off of these uh yeah i mean i had some thoughts i had i had some thoughts in my head obviously uh and some opinions even more obviously uh, but i i really uh i really was thrilled the night when you looked at me and said you want to do one yeah jeremy i'd be happy to do one said, you know you got a topic yeah i think i do <laughs> okay okay
0: uh well like i said you know we like to keep it kitchen table like well, around this, the firehouse, so we well, just yeah. I mean, the kitchen table
1: there are Dunkin' Donuts over there, and you haven't fed me one yet. <laughs> you uh, can have one of those done. No, Dana I don't brought I don't, those. No, I don't huh? don't. Oh, Dana brought They're them. Cop yeah. donuts. Cop donuts. Yeah, they, don't how t- t- they don't taste right. How many? Day- <laughs> <laughs> if Dana brought those and those are cop, how many days ago was that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, they were, they
1: were fresh. Yeah. I, I know stale donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we're, we're we're not we're we're not far from a QT, so you know there's always a rescue yeah. right in the street. Ah. All right. Right. Here we
2: go.
0: Well, Rich, thanks for coming on. We really welcome, appreciate Jeremy, it. Yeah, it um, like a lot we, of good stuff. Yeah, fantastic stuff. So, like we end every episode, you know, if you are struggling or you know somebody is struggling, um, reach out. There are resources out there. So thanks for stopping by and take care of yourself.